Welcome to the Poem of the Week. Each week, our poems are intended to help you practice the best, most current medicine by alerting you to studies that could change your practice. As usual, our host this week is National Public Radio's Dr. Michael Wilkes and Essential Evidence Senior Editor, Dr. Mark Abel. Gentlemen. Hello, Mark. Hey, Mike. We are going to return to uh, a common topic, which is diabetes. Uh, another study that you found last week, we did one from the New England Journal, and this is another New England Journal study. Um, d- just by way of background, uh, current treatments for type 2 diabetes have sort of several approaches. Some of them work on increasing insulin availability, and this can happen either through direct insulin administration or through agents that promote insulin secretion. We can improve insulin sensitivity, uh, that is the body sensitivity to insulin. We can delay uh, the delivery and absorption of, of carbs from the GI tract, or we can increase glucose urinary uh, excretion. The sodium glucose co-transporter 2, so-called SGLT2 inhibitors, reduce blood glucose by increasing the uh, urinary glucose excretion. These SGLT2 uh, receptors are, are expressed in the proximal tubules, and they control the reabsorption of most, to somewhere around 90% uh, percent, uh, of uh, filtered glucose. Also, these SGLT2 inhibitors promote the renal excretion of glucose and thereby modestly, and I emphasize modestly, lower elevated glucose levels in type 2 uh, diabetes. They are expensive, and even though their glucose-lowering effect is, is, is moderate, they seem to have beneficial effects on cardiac function. So this study uh, that, that you're going to review was published in the New England Journal. It starts on page 1451, and it attempts to answer the question, does the sodium glucose co-transporter 2 inhibitor, empaglifosin, safely improve outcomes for patients with heart failure who have a preserved ejection fraction? Mark, what does this oddly named flozin, what benefits does it have on the heart? Yeah, so this is the EMPEROR trial. They got a good acronym, so you know it must be a big study where they spent a lot of money on it, and it's in the New England Journal. And interestingly, only half the patients in this study actually had type 2 diabetes. The other half didn't. And so they were still, they were really studying this primarily as a, uh, not only for diabetic, but also non-diabetic patients. And they identified folks with class 2 through 4 heart failure. And the vast majority, about 80%, had class 2 heart failure, so not super severe. And they had a preserved ejection fraction. They had to have at least a 40% ejection fraction, but they also had to have an elevated NT pro BNP. So there was some you know, cardiac stress going on. 5,988 patients were randomized to either empagliflozin uh, once daily, 10 milligrams, or placebo. The groups looked the same. They were average age was on the old side, 72 years, and about a third in each group had ejection fractions from 40 to 50, 50 to 60, or 60% or higher. Um, And it was overall a well-designed trial. 26 months uh, was the median follow-up. So uh, the main outcome was a composite of cardiovascular death or hospitalization due to heart failure. Hospitalization for heart failure occurred less often in patients who got the empagliflozin, 4.3 versus six per 100 person years. Uh, Hazard ratio there was statistically significant. Number needed to treat to prevent one hospitalization, about 59 per year. 
Uh, they looked at a subgroup analysis. The benefit was greater for those that had a, a lower ejection fraction, so 40 to 50%. There was no significant difference, <clears throat> excuse me, in the likelihood of cardiovascular death or all-cause mortality, though, and no difference in renal outcomes. There were 20 excess non-cardiovascular deaths in the treatment group, the empaglifosin group, usually due to infection or sepsis, there were 25 fewer cardiovascular deaths in that group. So it seemed like there was kind of a trade-off, more sepsis infection deaths, fewer cardiovascular deaths. Uh, hypotension, genital infections were more common in the empaglifosin group. These drugs make you excrete more sugar in the urine. And so that's where the link to infection or sepsis may come in. So bottom line, in patients with heart failure who have a preserved ejection fraction, empaglifosin does reduce the likelihood of hospitalization for heart failure, but with no effect on overall mortality or on cardiovascular mortality. The drug costs $529 a month in the U.S. At least that's the list price on GoodRx. Only $82 just north of us in Canada. So in the U.S., the drug, I, I would say, is wildly cost ineffective. Uh, it would cost uh, almost $400,000 to prevent one hospitalization. In Canada, that cost would be better, $58,000, but still a lot to prevent one hospitalization if that's your main benefit. Thanks for providing the cost. That really does bring uh, bring things home with a number needed to treat of, of 79. Mark, I think what I'm hearing from your summary is that while uh, it, there are some theoretical benefits from this, that both for those with uh, class two or less heart failure, or for those with uh, no heart failure, th there really is no uh, long-term effect on, on length of life. No, no mortality benefit was seen. Uh, again, the only benefit was hospitalization for heart failure. There actually wasn't a decrease in overall, a significant decrease in overall hospitalizations, just hospitalizations uh, due to heart failure. Thanks, Mark. We'll talk again next week. All right. Well, that's this week's poem. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to read this and other recent poems, please go to www.essentialevidence.com. And please join us again next week for another medical poem. Mm -hmm.